the whole uh, two party system is it's flawed. Yeah, I'm realizing how how much of a detriment that is. Yep. Um, Dude, it's been a problem for years. It's been a problem since it started. We were never supposed to be a divided system. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not helping anything really. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could draw comparisons with us and other countries. It's uh, on specific issues, but I mean, the grass is always greener on the other side. There's always hot button issues in every single country, yeah. state, whatever you live in. But it's also just basic human rights where your government is supposed to work for the people. Yeah, we're just. It's just being selfish and the, you know, the rich stay rich. and So that got me really depressed. Yeah. It's easy to see why. Yeah. So that was not great. Are we keeping any of this in? I was just talking to you. Okay. That's fine. We can, but I just don't think our podcast is very political. <laughs> no. Uh, Welcome to the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what this sounds like. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Welcome to the, what is it, 19th episode of Beer and Fear. My name is Paige. My name is Zach. And I am very tired. We're both very tired. Yes. It is 8.44 this p.m. This is the latest we've ever recorded. I think so. Um, and We've actually already caught up. So I guess just a quick rundown. Yeah, we did a lot of we did a lot of catching we up were, already. We but, were chatting. Uh, we we had the bonus episode last week. Uh, it was fifteen minutes of uh, laughter. <laughs> Honestly, I really liked Land Shark, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah, episode. it was a good episode. It was, it was nice uh, uh, reminiscing uh, back to our tenth episode. Uh, it was pretty funny. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. It's fifteen minutes, easy listen. But um, we've got. Uh, We've got actually two episodes uh, for you. We're recording two today. Um, yeah, don't confuse our, them. Yeah. So uh, it'll be very late. We'll both be very tired and we'll try and get through it as best we can. But Yeah, so just don't be confused by the fact that we're not going to have a how are you this week statement. Yeah. So yeah, we do. Yeah, just some brief catch up. Uh, since since uh, we, we met last... We had uh, Christmas. What, two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks ago. We had Christmas. And that looks like it. Look at my calendar. Oh, my brain is being squeezed by these headphones right now. Um, Your Christmas was good, I take it? Decent? Yeah, chill. we talked about it already, but like I just spent it with my like a fall, small group of my family, so my sisters and my parents. And it was just, you only had to go to one house. Yeah. Nice. Thankfully. Well, I mean, you know, with COVID, I'm not traveling anywhere, really. I, uh-huh. I literally go to work. I see you and I see my family. Like, that is a... That's pretty much what I've been Very doing. limited. Um, yeah, I went uh, Christmas Eve, my mom's family, and Christmas Day, my dad's family. And yeah. I think there was both both places, like, it was five of us, so... Yeah, it was not a lot of us, but it was nice. It was nice to see my family. It's always nice to be around them, and my family always cooks really good food, so it was delicious. They gave me an entire cheesecake. Oh, jeez. 
Well, they don't want to keep the leftovers because they know they won't be able to eat all of mm-hmm. it. And I wasn't going to take anything home because I didn't eat the food that I took home from Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Like, I didn't take a lot, but, like, I just kind of, like, forgot it was there. Mm-hmm. So they were like, hey, do you want this cheesecake? And, you know, my fat ass is not going to say no to a free cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I told Chelsea about it, and she was like, I don't like cheesecake. And I was like, we <gasps> can't be friends anymore. Oh, my gosh. How do you not like cheesecake? What kind of cheesecake? Uh, it's a cherry cheesecake. Hmm. Like, it's an original cheesecake, but it's got, like, really nice, like... Cherry topping yeah. and stuff. Nice. Not a big fan of cherry, but um, I love cherry. any kind of cheesecake is good. Good. We also had cheesecake uh, Christmas Day. We did like four or five different pies. Yeah, we had two pies Christmas Eve. Um, I baked cookies and I brought cookies over. Oh yeah, did you have your cookies? I wanted to try them, or did you eat them all already? Uh, I have the the uh, the shitty cookies <laughs> in the microwave uh, and a big plate. Uh, I tried to bake cookies; they didn't turn out well for whatever reason. So I had to make them again. Uh, I'm all out of the good cookies, but I have a lot of the leftover reject cookies, <laughs> which still probably taste good, but they just probably they look flat and weird. So, um, Same. <laughs> uh, yeah, I took some leftovers home. Uh, what was I going to say? Cheesecake. We were talking about pies. Pie, yeah, two pies. You had a cheesecake. Oh, we ate very late on Christmas Eve, so we we didn't even eat dessert. We had uh, dinner, and then we left, and then we just divvied up leftovers, and then divvied up dessert. So I took a lot of stuff home with me too. Oh, gotcha. Um, and then my dad, uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, uh, came over around when I woke up, and he dropped off an entire ham. So I have an entire honey-baked ham in my fridge. Your dad is so cute. Uh, They had a lot of leftovers, apparently, at his job. So um, he gave one to me, gave one to um, my stepsister, uh, a few other people. So, yeah, a lot of leftover stuff that he didn't want to go to waste. So I will eat all of that ham. Hell yeah. I am excited. Um, What else? Oh, uh... (laughs) I noticed I've been uh, putting on some weight. We talked about this like the last time I saw you, and I still don't see it. Been putting on some... Here, I'll... Oh, he's going to show me his tum-tum. Like, you can see. Oh, look at your belly. When I sit, there's, you know... You got a little belly. Some folds here. There's not... Literally nothing is folding. There's like a line, but there's no folding. Look over here. There's some folds here. Your hand's in the way. There's some... Literally nothing's folding. But look, he's crazy. You know, <laughs> he's he's so tiny. If you've seen a full body picture of this man, he's so small. Um, and I figured out it's because I stopped going to the gym because of COVID. Um, you stopped going to the gym forever ago. Well, it was right around January. It was actually before COVID was the thing. Maybe a month or two before mm-hmm. COVID. It was conveniently around that same time. Mm. Um, and then. I stopped riding my bike. That was a, a little bit longer. Uh, I didn't have a bike anymore. My bike broke and yeah, I wasn't I was able to say, ride. I, was, I don't remember you having a bike right now. No, not since I moved. But um, I missed doing that. I stopped playing drums as often as I did. Um, I played today and it was nice. Uh, and I had some cramps. Cramps. <laughs> Cause I hadn't played in a while. Um, and then my my job, I'd sit around. Yeah. So uh, all of those things kind of probably contributed to that uh and i finally weighed myself yeah at my mom's i used to sit around 115 120 pounds mm-hmm. for a long time last few years i'm 140 pounds now 
Oh, you have put on. Yeah. I gained 20 pounds this That's year. Wild. Yeah. I weigh so much more than you, Zachary. <laughs> it's I still like, I, I don't, don't want to belittle your body dysmorphia because like everybody's got it. Or is it dysphoria? Dysmorphia? I think, dysphoria? I think it's dysphoria. I think it's I don't dysphoria. think dysmorphia is a word. Yeah, but it sounds cool, right? It does. It should be a word. I don't want to like belittle your dysphoria, sure. but it's also just kind of like. Yeah, everything's relative, but to me, that's a lot of weight. I mean, that on, is a decent amount of. To put on I, any I don't want to be a dick and be yeah. like, "Hoo hoo." I've never weighed that much before in my life. Oh, really? So I want to. No, I want to. I want to maintain. You know, I just think uh, you're cute all the time. I maintain a healthy weight, and I want to start going back to the gym. I I can't wait until things start reopening and hopefully getting better soon. Uh, vaccines and etc. Uh, people can start going going out again. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway. Episode uh, 19. 19. Uh, tell them what's it about. Uh, tell them what it what's, is about. What's it about? What's it about? While I get it's the, about the Yeti. Yeah, the Yeti. The gonna, cousin of Bigfoot. I'm going to get the beer out of the fridge. The cousin of Bigfoot. So, yeah, it's about Yeti. Tell us about uh, Yeti. I can't tell them about the Yeti because I have to tell them about the beer. Oh, yeah. Silly boy. That's first. Yes, it is. <laughs> when was the last time we did one of these? <laughs> The beer is called Stay Frosty from Hopewell Brewing Company, which I just, it's cute. It is cute. It's cute. Uh, let me tell you. Zach had to go on an adventure to get this beer. Oof. Um, he picked it up for me because he's a wonderful person. The uh, It was the last four-pack at this Benny's. The last This particular Benny's. Melon. And there were just a few few other Benny's stores that had it. They were all out of the out of the way. But um, this, this place had one left in stock. And we got it. Tell them about it. Well, I'm going to tell you about the company first. Yeah. Hopewell Brewing Company is a progressive craft brewery and tap room in Logan Square that oh. is in the business of making bright, clean, and modern beer. What hmm. is dirty beer? Logan Square, Illinois, by the way. Recognizing that beer is just as much about the company you keep as the liquid in the glass, Hopewell Brewing Company takes a thoughtful approach to brewing balanced and accessible beer. Hmm. All originally from Chicago, Samantha, Stephen, and Jonathan met while in Chicago, or I'm sorry, in college. I'm yeah. That's how this is going to go, man. Did they go to college in Chicago? Because you would have been right either way. Uh, University of Illinois in Champaign. Okay. Oh, Champaign. Yeah. This was in the early 2000s, while the American craft beer scene was beginning to swell beyond its more humble status. Yep. Like many founding stories go, all three got into flavorful beer and began homebrewing together. But it wasn't until after graduation on a long road trip out west touring breweries that their bonds strengthened and a grand plan emerged open a brewery of their own and like many more founding stories go the path was long and arduous samantha and stephen both moved to portland and then brooklyn where samantha worked for nonprofits and stephen for production breweries jonathan entered the world of food sales and had a stint in philly before coming back home to chicago along the way the three of them worked on their vision of a brewery eight years later hopewell opened in logan square in 2016 and here oh. we are today. Okay. We have grown the team with a group of dedicated folks that are instrumental to the ongoing success of Hopewell. With our team, we hope to build a business that centers people over profits and community over individual gain. Hmm. I would really like to go. Because, like, the tap room looks really cute. Yeah. 
I feel like uh, every Illinois brewery that we've covered, we should check out at some I point. I agree. We should make like a little list from like when we first did it, just like a little. <laughs> uh, Stay Frosty is a winter lager. It is a 6% ABV. The description on the website is Stay Frosty is a winter lager that stands up to the frigid temps that come with the season. Full-bodied and malty with a pronounced nuttiness and slight caramel sweetness. Hmm. Plus a hint of noble hop spiciness to keep it easy on the palate. Cozy up. Cozy up. Cozy up. And uh, Stay Frosty winter ale because of Yeti and it's December. So that works. So... Beer advocate. Mm-hmm. No reviews. Oh. No score. Oh. Zero. Hmm, much like our uh, last beer. Nothing. Interesting. So I got nothing for you there. Huh. Because I refuse to go any other website besides beer. Advocate. No reviews. Our last beer had at least a few reviews. This nothing. one, nothing? Nothing. No, no rating from anyone. Nothing. Oh, yeah. That's zeros across the board. Absolutely nothing. Wow, that's strange. So we're going into this blind, other than the description from the company. Huh. Okay. Is that my cue to get the beer? Yeah. Why'd you punch your laptop? I don't know. Yeah, I thought they gave me the wrong beer once I left with it, because they... Uh, they weren't very friendly at this. Bin- oh, you're just going right at it. They weren't very friendly at this Benny's. They were just they scanned it and put it in a bag. Here you go. And they said, "Fuck you." And then and said, spit in your mouth. <laughs> and then pushed me out of the store. Uh, so I didn't get a really good look at the cans uh, until I got to my car. I thought they gave me the wrong one. It looks like jelly beans. Oh, that's such a cute description. On the oh. Uh, that smell is kind of enjoyable. That oh. is a lot of foam. <laughs> Have we Ooh. switched bodies today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your pores immaculate over there, and um, I'm the foamy bitch this week. <laughs> That's my nickname in mm. high school. <laughs> I like the smell. It does have a... It's weird, because it's like... There's... I don't know how to describe it. It's very spicy. It almost smells like candy. At least to me. Well, I feel like there's like... It's sweet. That, but there's like a deeper like smell beneath that. Mm-hmm. That is like very yeah, there's nutty. Some, there's it's some nutty. spice. Oh, like yeah, the, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the nuttiness yep, that yep, they yep. described. Yep. There's a lot more in this can than this glass can handle. Nutty, nuttiness, like caramel. Not hop sweetness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the sweetness is the caramel and the nuttiness is that deep smell behind it. Well, it's all there. Yeah. Honestly, that was a very descriptive, it was a very accurate description on the website. Well. I enjoy the smell. I feel like part of it also is, um, I mean, for a lot of our beers, is we read a description or a review of the oh, beer that talks about it. it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I can like, kind of like uh, when you read horoscopes, like daily horoscopes. It's like, oh, that is so mean. That's oh, like definitely pl- also like placebo in some way. Hundred percent Scorpio, you know. Mm-hmm. When don't, it, don't tell people that you're a Scorpio. When it could be applicable to uh, just about any. It's vague statements, right? So I try to approach things objectively, but I mean, it seems accurate for what how the beer was described. I still have a lot of foam here. It's okay. You wait for me multiple times. I can wait for you. All right, let's get into this. 
That is a freaking assault on the tongue. Wow. This, well, it's it's strangely smooth. That is a lot. Of, that is smooth as fuck. But that is a lot of flavor. I don't know. It makes my tongue tingle. It reminds me of coffee. It my first taste is coffee. I don't know if that's just the nut, nutty. Kind of like a cold brew, right? Yeah, nutty combined with caramel. Um, I don't know. T- to me, it wasn't. It wasn't like, you know, boom in your face flavor. It really? was just. To me, it was just very smooth, and it still tastes very, very smooth. This is probably it's making my tongue tingle. This is probably the smoothest beer. It is very smooth. Uh, that I, I've tasted on the show. Very dark. Like it's. It's not harsh at all. No. Um, the color oh, is very interesting. I didn't. It's so dark. It's always dark in here. Yeah, you're an emo kid. Okay. Pretty deep color. Yeah, it's uh, a dark amber. Mm-hmm. Not not super. It's not red. It's not quite to that degree. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's just it's smooth. It's enjoyable. I dig it. It's uh, balanced. Maybe like what, like a twelve. You know, not super, not super dark. 12 SRM. darker than that. I don't know. Now that I'm sipping it more, it's not like there's like a ton of like overwhelmingness. Like it's not like there's yeah. a lot of hop to it. Um, I mean, it, it kind of leaves an aftertaste in the back of your throat, um, which I think it's the nuttiness or maybe it's the hop, but it's pretty enjoyable. It really is like one of the smoothest beers I've ever had. Yep. And... I mean that's I think it's because it's it's a lager. It it looks like it shouldn't be a lager. This is I mean based on the can and the pour and the smell, you would think you're drinking an ale. But because I think because it's a lager, it's that's partially why it's so smooth and it's colder temperature and I don't know. A lot of that contributes to a smooth balanced flavor. I it's pretty enjoyable. Well, anyways, teach me about the Yeti. So, this is... I got about three pages here. Didn't uh-huh. go too depth. A little bit with the history, but nothing crazy. I figured I'd let you, uh, let you have most of the interesting, cool stuff. So, the Yeti, often depicted as a monstrous creature, originates from Himalayan folklore and can be traced back as early as the 17th to 18th century. According to H. Silger, uh, which is uh, just a guy, I couldn't figure out who this person was just at all. Just a guy. I tried to research him and couldn't find anything. The Yeti was a part of the pre-Buddhist beliefs of several Himalayan people. He was told that the Lepcha people mm. worshipped a, quote, glacier being mm. as a god of the hunt. The being was depicted as an ape-like creature who carries a large stone as a weapon and makes a whistling swoosh sound. I'm just imagining like a dude walking around with a big old rock. Big old rock, and he makes a swishing... I don't know if he's making the whistling swoosh sound with his stone. No, with his mouth. Or with his just mouth. Just imagine like this <laughs> ape-like creature yeah, with around. a big old stone. <laughs> yep. Like, it's the Yeti. <laughs> the Yeti. Uh, in the 19th century, uh, there's some history here. In 1832, James Princip's journal of the Asiatic Society of Bengal. Ah, yes, my favorite. 
published trucker B.H. Hodgson's account of his experiences in northern Nepal. His local guide spotted a tall, bipedal creature covered with long hair, which seemed to flee in fear. Hodgson concluded it was an orangutan. In Nepal? I guess so. Are there orangutans in in Nepal? Nepal? In the snow? Yep. An early record of reported footprints appeared in 1899 in Lawrence Waddle's Among the Himalayas. Waddle reported his guide's description of a large ape-like creature that left the prints, which Waddle thought were made by a bear. Waddle heard stories of bipedal ape-like creatures, but wrote that, quote, none, however, of the many Tibetans I have interrogated on this subject could ever give me an authentic case. On the most superficial investigation, it always resolved into something that somebody heard uh, tell of. That's some weird English. I don't know. As a quote, I didn't want to change it to make sure. have it make sense. But So, stories of the Yeti first emerged as a facet of Western popular culture in the 19th century, where it was often referred to as the Abominable Snowman. So, it's, they're the same thing. Yeti, Abominable Snowman. That I know. Cool. This nickname was coined in... Do you want to know how I know that? Because you picked the topic? No, because of Monsters, Inc. Oh, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk... We'll talk about Monsters, Inc., too. Uh, This nickname was coined in 1921 when Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Burry led the 1921 British Mount Everest Reconnaissance Expedition, which he chronicled in Mount Everest, the Reconnaissance, 1921. very specific name. Yeah. In the book, Howard Burry includes an account of crossing the Lakpa... You're nailing it. Lakpala. Lakpala. The Lakpala. That sounds like something that would be in World of Warcraft. Probably. Uh, it, it's essentially a gap near the base of the mountains. Okay. Near um, Like Everest. specifically that location, or is it a term for like a gap between mountains? That is specifically one of the gaps. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he uh, was crossing this at 21,000 feet. Damn. And he found footprints that he believed were probably caused by a large loping gray wolf. What was this guy's name? Uh, Howard Burry. Howard Burry. Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Burry. A loping gray wolf? Yeah, he says it would probably caused by a large loping gray wolf, which in the soft snow formed double tracks rather than, uh, rather like those of a okay. barefooted man. Gotcha. He adds that this Sherp, uh, that his Sherpa guides, quote, at once volunteered that the tracks must be that of the wild man of the snows, hmm. to which they gave the name Metokangmi. M-E-T-O-H dash K-A-N-G-M-I. Does it have like a sounded out kind of thing? Uh, no. Damn. I don't know. Metokangmi. That's just what I've accepted it to be. That's yep. it. That's what it's called. Meto, M-E-T-O-H, translates as man bear <laughs> in this language. And Kangmi sure. translates as snowman. <laughs> so man bear man, snowman. Man bear snowman. <laughs> uh, the use of abominable snowman began when Henry Newman a long-time contributor to the Statesman in Calcutta. Calcutta. Statesman in Calcutta, which is a magazine. Uh, interviewed the porters of the Everest Reconnaissance Expedition. So this guy um, interviewed these people who went on this expedition yeah. uh, after they came back. Okay. And this Newman guy, he Newman. mistranslated the word meto, which translates to man bear. Sure. He mistranslated it as being uh, filthy. 
Um, and then later on in his account, in his magazine, he substituted the term filthy with the term abominable, perhaps out of artistic license. So he, he just wanted to change filthy to abominable to make it seem more, you know, I don't know, emotional or Fancy. whatever. Fancy. Uh, so that's kind of how it became abominable snowman. grabbing. So it was almost as like an accident is the reason it's called the abominable snowman. Me too. <laughs> Uh, the frequency of reports increased during the early two, uh, 20th century when Westerners began making determined attempts to scale the many mountains in the area and occasionally reported seeing odd creatures or strange tracks. Sure. So they started hearing more accounts of this abominable snowman or Yeti, and they then wanted to go see if they could locate it themselves. While attempting to scale Mount Everest in 1951, Eric Shipton took photographs of a number of large prints in the snow at about 2000 I'm sorry 20,000 feet above sea level these photos have been subject to intense scrutiny and debate some argue they are the best evidence of yeti's existence while others contend the prints are those of a mundane creature that have been distorted by the melting snow uh, i've got a photo they're about one foot. I like the pickaxe for size right. reference. One foot in length. Um, and it, yeah, it looks like a Yeti foot. Um, but So a 12-inch foot. There are people that have bigger foot like foot sizes than that. Yeah. I mean, it could be a person just walking around barefoot. I'm but. just saying Yeti ain't packing anything. <laughs> so they're thinking it was just another animal and then the snow melted around the footprint. And that's that's very specific, made. though. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, kind of like, that's very wide. It almost looks, it could be a man-made too. That's true. Uh, on But who's walking through Mount Everest just like, I'm going to leave false footprints? I don't know. People are weird, man. On March 19th, 1954, the Daily Mail printed an article which described expedition teams obtaining hair specimens uh, from what was alleged to be a Yeti scalp found in the Pengboche, Pengboche Monastery. It's a village in Nepal. Okay. You are killing this. I yep. just want you to know. Yep. The hairs were black to dark brown in color in dim light and fox red in sunlight. Um, Excuse me. The Yeti is pure white? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, in popular culture, I guess it yeah, is. That's the only culture I'll accept. But I guess some of these early sightings that people saw like brown haired or dark haired creatures. Which makes very little sense if it's going to live in like a snowy region. True. And but we'll, granted, what would its predator be? Well, we'll go into that. I don't know. Maybe it's an apex predator. Well, I'm saying if it was an apex predator, it wouldn't need to camouflage, really. Oh, yeah. True. true well, true. actually, tigers camouflage. And so, <laughs> okay, just ignore me. <laughs> uh, the hair's uh, blah, blah, blah. The hair was analyzed by Professor Frederick Wood Jones, an expert in human and comparative anatomy. Hmm. During the study, the hairs were bleached, cut into sections, and analyzed microscopically. <laughs> The research consisted of taking micro photographs of the hairs and comparing them with hairs from known animals such as bears oh. and orangutans. Jones concluded that the hairs were not actually from a scalp. Oh. He contended that while some animals do have a ridge of hair extending from the pate to the back, sure. uh, like the hairline, yeah. no animals have a ridge running from the base of the forehead and ending at the nape of the neck. Like humans? Like humans. Uh, Jones was unable to pinpoint exactly the animal from which the Pangbokchi hairs were taken. Huh. He was, however, convinced that the hairs were not of a bear or anthropoid ape. He suggested which... that the hairs were from the shoulder of a coarse-haired hoofed animal. Oh. 
It's like a very elk. specific. This is uh, the scalp that um, someone uh, obtained, or that's literally just a full-on fucking scalp. And then um, there's a dude analyzing it. It's just, yeah, I can't with people. Also, the fact that people think that it could have been an orangutan, they are in the fucking rainforests of Southeast I, Asia. Yeah, I don't know what are they these, doing on a mountain. I don't know where these orangutans are coming God. from. Uh, throughout the following decades and into the 2000s, there were many more Yeti expeditions for the purpose of locating such creatures or uncovering further evidence of their existence. Uh, now we're going to the 21st century. Yes. In early uh, December 2007, American television presenter Joshua Gates and his team reported finding series of footprints in the Everest region of Nepal resembling descriptions of Yeti. Each of the footprints measured 13 inches in length with five toes that measured a total of 9.8 inches across. Casts were made of the prints for further research. The footprints were examined by Jeffrey Meldrum of uh, Idaho State University, who believed them to be too morphologically accurate to be fake or man-made uh-huh. before changing his mind after making further investigations. What is the average width of a human foot? Three inches. What? That is... How would you even... Later in 2009, in a TV show... Okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs> move on from that. Uh, Gates presented hair samples with a forensic analyst concluding that the hair contained an unknown DNA sequence. Ooh. Never before seen. Spicy. At a 2001, I'm sorry, 2011 conference in Russia, participating scientists and enthusiasts declared having 95% evidence of the Yeti's existence. What about that other 5% though? I don't know. However, this claim was disputed later. American anthropologist and anatomist Jeffrey Meldrum, who was present during the Russian expedition, claimed the, quote, evidence found was simply an attempt by local officials to drum up publicity. Publicity? Mm Mm-hmm. A Yeti was reportedly captured in Russia in December 2011, much like our Bigfoot episode. By who? Putin? Episode. Yeah. Putin did it. He was riding his... Uh, <laughs> his, his horse his shirtless. Elk. Yeah. <clears throat> Initially, the story claimed that a hunter reported having seen a bear-like creature trying to kill one of his sheep, but after he fired his gun, the creature ran into a forest on two legs. The story then claimed that Border Patrol soldiers captured a hairy two-legged female creature similar to a gorilla Hmm. that ate meat and vegetation. See, I'm of the opinion that yetis and Bigfoot, Big Feet, Mm -hmm. (laughs) are uh, vegetarians. Yeah? That's always been my... Solely vegetarian? That's always been my thought process. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it could be a thing. This was later revealed as a hoax or possibly a publicity stunt for charity. Again, much like Bigfoot. Wait, what kind of stunt? A publicity stunt. No, that's not the stunt that it was. Or a hoax. No. Publicity stunt for charity. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Possible explanations of the Yeti. Uh, the biggest one is misidentification of Himalayan wildlife. Sure. Because people are dumb. Well, I mean, it's Mount Everest. It's snowing. What if yeah. there's like a blizzard and you're like seeing yeah. shit? I mean, hypothermia can cause like hallucinations. Oh, all right. I didn't include that, but that's that's an explanation. Um, most often bears, uh, or what people are mistaking. Can't bears stand on their hind legs? They can. So uh, We've got the Tibetan blue bear. Oh, that sounds cute. The Himalayan brown bear, or the Asiatic black bear. I'm looking up a blue bear. I've got a picture. Oh, good. It better be blue. This is the Tibetan blue bear. Kind of blue. Not very blue. Well, there's bluish. He looks very fluffy. Bluish hue. 
Why do bears have to look like you could pet them? Uh, this is the Himalayan brown bear. That's the danger Isn't it dog. Cute? Danger dog. <laughs> danger dog. That's the way to describe it. And then this is the Asiatic black bear standing. Oh my god, I forgot about them. They always yeah. look like they're a retired forty-year-old man. <laughs> well, there's there's sun bears, which I think are skinnier, mm-hmm. and they look creepy as hell. Yes, they do. Uh, this is a moon bear. Have you seen a sun bear with mange? Uh, like hairless. Yes. Yeah, they're freaking creepy. Oh, so god. here, this is. It's so sad. Tibetan blue bear. We have an audience right now. <laughs> the black bear. Asiatic black bear. Standing. Did you know that polar bears have a highly toxic liver? Like if you were to eat a polar bear liver, it would kill you? I oh. think it's got a high concentration of vitamin A. And if you eat it, you could die. I wonder who the first person to find that out was. There was an explorer. Hmm. Why do you know this? Because I read a lot of nature books when I was a child <laughs> and I remember dumb things. Huh. Okay, don't eat polar bear livers. PSA for this week. But also, I really want to pet a polar bear. Baby polar bears are so I think so it would cute. kill you if you pet it. Baby polar bears are so cute. Baby ones are cute. They probably won't do much damage to you, but fucking polar bears, they Oh, don't, they'll fuck you up, man. Yeah, they don't care. They Not just bears. Want to, bears they will wreck you. 100% want to eat you. Uh, fun fact, the Tibetan blue bear is one of the rarest subspecies of bear in the world. How rare is it? Uh... I don't know. Oh, okay. Really, really rare. I guess. Okay. Just looking for a number. <laughs> it's uh, it's IUCN classification yeah. that determines if it's like critically endangered <laughs> or common. They don't have one for it because they don't really know. How oh many wow, are. that's yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a so, good way to put it into like a perspective. Exactly. Uh, some speculate these reported creatures could be present day specimens of the extinct giant ape, Gigantho. Pithecus. Gigantopithecus. I think you nailed that. That was good. However, the Yeti is generally described as a bipedal, as bipedal, and most scientists believes, uh, believe Gigantopithecus to have been quadru- quadrupedal, four feet, and so, and so massive that unless it evolved specifically as a bipedal ape, walking upright would have been even more difficult for the now extinct primate than it is for an extinct, for its extant quadrupedal relative the orangutan. Sure. A lot of big words in there, man. Yeah. Uh, in 2017, a new analysis compared DNA sequences of bears from the region with DNA extracted from hair and other samples claimed to have come from Yeti. It included hair thought to be from the same preserved specimen as the anomalous Sykes sample. I don't know, maybe another scalp. And showed it to have been a Himalayan brown bear. Mm. While other purported Yeti samples were actually from the Tibetan blue bear, Asiatic black bear, and a, even a domestic dog. Hmm. So all these hair samples, they're not from Yeti. They're from things that already exist. Again, this is just making me think of El Chupacabra. Oh, yeah. You know, Misconstruing. Misidentification. Uh, my last section, uh, the Yeti has appeared in many films, literature, music, and video games. One popular depiction is Bumble the Abominable Snow Monster, yes. who originated from the 1964 Christmas television, television special, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The island of misfit toys. He later influenced the portrayal of the Yeti, who appeared near the end of the film, Monsters, Inc. Yes. So this is the... Uh, Don't eat the that, That's Bumble. Snow. You've yeah, seen that guy. I've seen that movie yeah. multiple times. Yep. His so, nemesis is Yukon Cornelius. <laughs> Don't ask me why I remember that. 
and then if you were to look up the Abominable Snowman from Masters Inc., very similar mm-hmm. look. Uh, Wild I just Man. Really love those claymation movies. Oh yeah. Uh, Wild Man is a song by Kate Bush, released as the lead single from her tenth studio album, Fifty Words for Snow. Who's Kate Bush? Who's Kate Bush? Oh God. <sighs> oh no. Okay. Well, we won't leave. we won't put this in the episode. Well, I gotta look up Kate. Bush. I'll yell at her later. Who's Kate Bush? Oh my God. He said, "Who's Kate Bush?" <sighs> Kate Bush is amazing. Uh, apparently, I didn't know this. She had a song called Wild Man. It tells the story of sightings of the Yeti in the wilds of the Himalayas and offers the efforts by the narrator and others to protect him from discovery. Um, if you look up Kate Bush Wuthering Heights, that is a weird music video. Um, but she has such an angelic voice, let me tell you. Good singer. Why, is she dead? No, she's still alive. Oh, okay. You said had. Uh... I don't think she sings anymore, but there is an expansion uh, to the video game Far Cry 4 named Valley of the Yetis, dedicated to finding a relic in the Himalayas that turns people into yetis. Oh, that's cute. Walt Disney World's attraction Expedition Everest at Disney's Animal Kingdom is themed around the folklore of the yeti and features a 25-foot-tall audio animatronic yeti, which appears during the ride. It does. I don't think I went on that one. No. Uh, the scientific community has generally regarded the Yeti as the result of a complex of intri- result of a complex of intricate folk beliefs rather than a large ape-like creature. Yeah. But what do you think? Me personally? Yeah. Uh, I don't believe in cryptids. We've been over this. Mm-hmm. I usually think it's misidentification. So no to the Yeti. Yeah. Mm. No, I don't believe in big. How about foot. you, audience? Oh my God! Stop it! We we don't do that. That's not a thing. You're so weird. Oh, I see. I'm okay. Uncomfortable All right. Because of this, we're doing the Blues Clues thing. No, stop it! <laughs> oh, I read. Oh my God! I found an article that somebody produced about um, her one night stand with the uh, guy from Blues Clues. Steve Burns. Yeah. Oh. He had a thinking chair in his apartment. Come on, that's adorable. <laughs> she sat in it and took pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. So funny. Um, you know he's a, a musician. Mm-hmm. He's made music. Um, look up the song "Mighty Little Man" by no. Steve Burns. Oh, uh, that's my segment. No, I don't believe in the Yeti. Uh, I was going to ask you a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Do you believe uh, if you believe in the Yeti? Do you believe it's just one Yeti or multiple Yeti? I would believe it if I if I believed in yeah. it. I would believe that it was a species. I think with Bigfoot, um, I think I mentioned in the Bigfoot episode, I'd like to believe Bigfoot is a thing. Um, I think the Yeti, too, I would like to believe it's a thing. I don't think it is. Nope. But for both, I think it's just one thing. I think it's one guy. How would it be alive still? I don't know. You know. If it's, if it's been around in folklore maybe for I don't as long really as it believe has, it. how would it have a lifespan like that? Good point. So it's got to be like a species if it was going to be witnessed that many times. Like I said, I'm more likely to believe in aquatic cryptids than I am to believe in like land or air. And that's the point I made uh, when we did. Um, Just because how things evolve in the ocean. When we did, uh, we did Nessie, right? No, we did Kraken. We haven't Kraken. done Nessie yet. You sure? Yes. I. Unlike <laughs> you, I memorize things. I don't know. We've got... What, we're episode 19 now? 
Yeah, That's but I lot. know every single thing we've covered. That's a lot of episodes. Okay, well, I, I'll take your word for it. We have not done the Loch Ness Monster. Correct. Uh, oh, thank you for telling me. Yeah, the I had no idea. The Kraken, I mentioned in that episode that I, I definitely believe that's a thing. It's out there somewhere. You said you wanted to believe in the Loch Ness Monster. And the I Kraken. can tell you that because... Oh, the Kraken? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, you said that you would like to. I can right. tell you that because I listen to the podcast. Well, so do I when I have to freaking edit all these things. Okay. Wait, go, tell your story. I have listened to every episode probably three times. Yeah? Yes. Oh, wow. Most dedicated listener is our co-host. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get those views up. <laughs> yep. His multiple accounts, you log in and out of them. <laughs> when you're desperate, you're desperate. It's <laughs> the life we live right now. Uh-huh. We're going to start getting uh, fake Twitter followers. I'm going to like, get, yeah, the count that you like buy. Buy <laughs> yeah. your followers. Yes. Oh, so mine is just an article on someone that you talked about very briefly. Mm. Uh, this gentleman searched for the Yeti for 60 years Holy and supposedly shit. found it. Supposedly. Okay. In 1951, a British explorer named Eric Shipton. Uh-huh. Looking for an alternative route up Mount Everest, found a footprint that appeared to be hominid. He took a picture, and the mystery of the Yeti, a Sherpa word for wild man, cast a spell oh. over the world. Daniel Taylor, author of Yeti, The Ecology of Mystery, of a Mystery, has been searching for signs of this abominable snowman in the high Himalayas since he was a child. Talking from his home in West Virginia, Taylor explains what he thinks made that human-like footprint, how his search eventually led to the creation of a national park, and why, in an age where we have become disconnected from nature, we have a deep need to believe in mysteries. The photograph that Eric Shipton took mm-hmm. was taken on the... A glacier. <laughs> a glacier. West of Mount Everest on the Natel- Nepal... Natel... Natel... The Nutella, the, the t- Nutella mountains, the Nutella mountains on the Nepal-Tibet border. Shipton and Michael Ward were searching for an alternative route up Everest when they came across the prince. Shipton was one of the most highly respected Everest explorers, so if he is bringing back a print, it is a real print. Nobody ever questioned that, but what is it? What was captivating about the prints was that they're really sharp. The snow was hard, so the photo looks like a sort of plaster um, or cast. The second feature was that the prince looked like a human footprint, but with a thumb. So you get this primate-like feeling, but hominid at the same time. Its enormous size, 13 inches, also suggests a magnificent, magnificent hominid. Band name. A King Kong type of image, which also very inaccurate. King Kong was freaking huge. Yeah, that's not even taller than a building. Right. Gosh, people. And the media grabbed it like they grab everything. (laughs) Numerous expeditions were sent out in search of the Yeti. The most important one was the Daily Mail one in 1954, which you talked about. Mm. That's when Yeti fever took off. Yeti fever. Yeah, it sounds like a really bad disease. (laughs) (laughs) That's our 2021 pandemic. (laughs) Yeti Yeti fever. fever. Though the name for the Yeti was given as the Abominable Snowman, mm-hmm. the then American oilman, Tom Slick, which also, he's an oilman and he's his last oil- name's Slick. <laughs> How perfect. Uh-huh. Mounted several expeditions. One of them had 500 porters and spent six months in the field. Wow. They even took along 
bloodhounds to track the scent. Which also, can you imagine bloodhounds in Nepal? They'd freeze their little fussies off. They don't have hair. I don't know. Hopefully they were like long-haired bloodhounds. That's not a thing. I'd like I'm to hoping that there are like little puppy coats. Like to believe. <laughs> okay. The World Book Encyclopedia then got captivated by the Yeti and approached Edmund Hillary. He had been somewhat of a believer in the 1950s, but he said, we shouldn't go just Yeti searching. We should study how people live at high altitudes. Which, okay, okay good for you. <laughs> so they built a house at 19,000 feet and did a bunch of experiments on how humans uh, acclimatize, 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 acclimatize. They're the ones who first made the distinction between the Sherpa belief in the Yeti and the Yeti as a mysterious hominid that lives in the mountains. The way he first became fascinated by the Yeti was by his grandmother. Um, his, or actually, his grandmother came from Cincinnati and his grandfather was a cowboy in Kansas. Random things, but okay. okay. They met in medical school in Kansas City in hard times and decided to go to India as hard medical times. missionaries. Gonna hard make times. Rain, 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 rain. In 1914, they ended up in an area near India's western border with Nepal. Dense, rich jungle. Made famous by Jim Corbett in books like Man Eaters of... I think that says, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, he came into the picture in 1946 when his parents went to India to take over running a hospital. Uh, it was a fabulous childhood. His grandparents had bought a property at the top of a mountain near the old British hill station of Missouri. Missouri. It was a lovely old compound with jungle all around. What else could you ask for? Yes, truly. Malaria. <laughs> One Saturday during the monsoon season, I saw the famous picture of the Yeti's footprints in a magazine. I knew most of the jungle animals, so when the curator of the British Museum said he thought these were prints of the uh, Langer, Langer monkey, um, mm. he said that that's outrageous. I know the Langer monkey. I know, I know it. I know that monkey's footprints. Mm -hmm. Bouncing on the tin roof all the time. So when you live in the jungles, you have monkeys bouncing on your roof. Oh, God. I get annoying real quick. Some other animal must have made this mysterious human-like footprint, he said. <laughs> he said that he went to his father and grandfather, and they said, Danny, that's the Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> Some other animal. It's not a monkey. It's a Yeti. So it's got to be a Yeti. As the only option. Mm -hmm. And he said, what is the Yeti? And they said, the Yeti is a wild man that lives out in the mountains, and that's his footprint. And that's when the spark was lit for this dude. He was like, damn straight, I'm going to be obsessed with the Yeti for the rest of my life now. <sighs> Due to its microclimate, the Barun Valley brings in more moisture than any other valley in the Himalayan system. That means the Barun is really dense jungle with a lot of rain. That is why people didn't settle it. If you're looking for the last readout of the wild, it is this valley. It is so dense that very few people have actually entered it, even the locals who live on its edge. Hmm. That's a dense valley. That's dense. Densest valley if I've ever heard of one. Yes. He was advised to go there by the king of Nepal, who said, if you want to go to the wildest place where the Yeti might be, it is the Barun. 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 And when the king says that you go, because he really knows his country, you go. Yeah, the king says it. Who's just talking to kings? Like casually. Once he got into the valley, I found footprints. 
I'd seen footprints before. Yes, we've all seen footprints mm-hmm. before. Correct. <laughs> but these were fresh. I tasted them. <laughs> and I had no doubt I had found the Yeti. The question was, what made them? So he says, I found the Yeti. But he's a like, yeti? What, what made them? Hmm. A local hunter I worked with said he thought what I found was a tree bear. I'd never heard of a tree bear in this region. <laughs> Suddenly, we had an explanation for where the thumb came from. A bear that lives in a tree forces an inner digit down so it can make an op- um, opposable grip. Mm. Normal bears cannot make an opposable grip. Correct. But if you're spending a lot of time in the trees, you train that one thumb to grab a branch or break bamboo. As tree bears are apt to do. <laughs> So he spent two years trying to figure out whether it was a species, subspecies, or a juvenile bear, which created a lot of confusion. Uh huh. A professor from Oxford made a global call for all Yeti artifacts hair, fingernails, bones, fragments, and he gets many, many artifacts, mostly bits of bear or sheep. Which, why would you give sheep? Hmm. He then does DNA analysis and finds that two appear to be bear like, but can't be explained by any known animal. The closest DNA connection is the polar bear, but with mysterious DNA sequences. After this dude publishes his research, the Yeti myth gets reactivated worldwide. A couple of doctoral students then decide to check his DNA sequencing. They show that he made a mistake and that rather than uh, proposing a new animal, it is the incomplete sequence of a known animal. Mm -hmm. Once again, we come back to the bear. The tree bear. Yep. In his search for the Yeti, he stumbled onto arguably the greatest wilderness on the planet, uh, but it was not a protected area. Villagers were moving in and making the fields, uh, or making the the jungle we talked about, the barren, barren, uh, into fields on the Tibetan side. The Chinese were making a road into the valley immediately north of the barren to clear cut the timber. So, you know, we're just ruining everything like humans do. Yep. Uh, this is the one of the world's three or four most majestic places on the planet. I can name... One other, and it's in this room. Aww. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Me. No. <laughs> I'm the majestic place. Sure. Yeah, your beard. <laughs> it's full of many living microorganisms. Mm. So. Magnificent. Exactly. So this dude said that he's got something to protect. So he like went on this thing where he was just like, get out of here. Get out of these fields. I'm tired. Yeah, me too. I'm following. Basically, he defended the area. Right. Like in the 1980s. Because he wanted to still find the Yeti, right? Sure. Right? Yeah. Makes sense. Well, I think it was more about protecting the area because it was like one of the most untouched places of land Mm. as far as jungle goes. And we humans wanted to eradicate it and, you know, build a Chick-fil-A or something. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, they turned it into a wild park. Ah. So they, like, did, like, trails through it. Hmm. Uh, In the series of discoveries following the Yeti, uh, he came to what he and many other biologists now believe is a completely new understanding of biology, which uh, is called bioresilience. As we look to save life itself, we are concentrating on the diversity of DNA. But there are certain life forms like the crow, cockroaches, or zebra mussels, which are more resilient than others and can deal with temperature and moisture changes due to climate change. Roaches are indestructible. Uh, Pretty much, yeah. 
The lesson of the Yeti is that we have to treasure and build up the resilience in biology if we are going to save life itself. It changed his life because he understood life in a different way. In a world that's completely increasingly urban, it is important that we understand we are part of life connected to life. Hmm. There are Yeti legends all over the world. There's a Russian legend about the jungle man. There's a Chinese legend. This leads us into the question, what is the human hunger for these humanoid uh, apparitions? He's convinced it evolved out of the Victorian age when people were circling the world looking for the missing link. The deep mystery at our core is that we want to be connected to the great beyond, and we need symbols to help us understand the connection. That's why we believe in God or angels or the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Throughout human history and across human cultures, we have developed messengers from the great beyond. Ultimately, that's what the Yeti is. It's uh interesting take. I don't know if I'd necessarily compare like the Yeti or Loch Ness Monster to Jesus. Belief in God, yeah. As far as like I feel like it's a jump. A little bit. <clears throat> what did you I know. Think of the beer. It was surprising. I was very surprised because um, I don't know if I've had. I don't know if I've had a winter lager before. I, I mean, Sam Adams makes uh, a winter brew. I don't know if it's. I think it is a lager. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a lager. I, I haven't had much of Sam Adams anything. Yeah. Um, I feel like. Again, a lot of what this beer is and looks like and smells like and appears to be is reminiscent, at least to me, of an ale. Um, but when you sip this, it's very smooth, very clean, very refreshing, uh, it's spicy. It's got a little bit of depth to it, but ultimately it's very easy to drink. I don't know about refreshing, um, mm. but it was definitely flavorful, very smooth, um, very enjoyable. Good beer. I don't think I'd comfortably drink multiple of them. Um, just because yeah. I think I get bored of the yeah. flavor. Yeah. Um, Good point. But I think that it is enjoyable every now and then. So definitely, because it's a rotating beer, because it's a winter lager, uh-huh. it's definitely a good idea to make it a seasonal thing. Uh, I think kind of like how um, I was going to draw a comparison with Landshark to summer and like this beer to winter, but... Mm. I mean, they're kind of, I don't know if you can really do that. but Not really, no. But it's a good, it, it's a good beer to drink sure. for this season. Yeah. Nothing too crazy about it. Nothing special or fancy about it. Mm-hmm. It's decent. Um, and it's cool that the brewery is here in Logan Square, so we can hopefully visit, visit it someday. Mm-hmm. Well, that was episode 19. Oh, gosh. Just a side note, uh, we will be getting audio clips to post on a TikTok account. <laughs> this is Paige is going to be doing this. Yes, this is my thing. Uh, I don't want anything to do with TikTok. I know he doesn't. I don't, I, I'm too old to understand what these kids Literally are doing. Literally like a few months old. These kids are doing with their You're crazy apps. so dramatic. And their TikTokers. Contact us at beerandfearcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Beerandfearcast at gmail.com. You know all of our platforms for finding us. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Reddit. Reddit. We're not going to get an emails page. I know, but I just like to say it. Yeah. And then uh, if you follow those platforms, 
you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. Yes, you'll also see pictures of my pets. Yeah. Um, and then pictures of the beer we drink. If you want to exactly. check out the, the art in the bottle of the can, um, we'll tag the breweries, shout them out, mm. um, all that fun stuff. I don't think we're forgetting anything. I don't either. Uh, it's late. We have another episode to record. Hell yeah. And Zach is hungry. I'm starving. What is it? Almost 10 o'clock. Yeah, it is. All right.